We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. Turn there with me and let's uh, look at the Word of God together. 2 Corinthians 10, we're going to read verses 12 through 16. 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse uh, 12. The Apostle Paul writes, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in other regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory. This is the word of the Lord. So a little context is helpful as we begin. So Paul is addressing here, a, uh, there, are, there are false teachers who are pointing the people in the wrong direction. And so he's coming, they're, they're people that bragged a lot about what they had done and really puffed themselves up. And so he's coming in and explaining why uh, what they were doing was wrong and how exactly he is approaching ministry. And so as we look at that this morning, We've been talking in this series about sending less the last couple of weeks. It has a lot to do with what we shouldn't be doing um, uh, when we do sin and we need to get rid of that. In this final week, what I want to talk about has more to do with what God wants to accomplish through us. And for lack of a better term, instead of sins of commission, sometimes there are sins of omission, where we don't step out and do what God wants us to do, where we're not the people that he wants us to be. And so we want to talk about that this morning, especially in the context of thinking about the kingdom of God and how each of us have something to contribute to the kingdom of God and what God wants to accomplish in the world around us. And so as we think about that, uh, we're going to take it as five ways that sometimes we stand in the way of what God wants to accomplish in the kingdom by not doing the things that God desires for us to do. So we're going to break this passage down into five pieces this morning and unpack it uh, kind of verse by verse as, um, as we go down through there. So the first one, the first thing we need to watch out for is that is the first thing that kind of gets us in trouble is this. Uh, make up your own standards of success. Make up your own standards of success. So there are times when um, we develop what we're going to say is success, spiritually speaking, that doesn't match up to what God desires. Look at verse 12 with me. It says there, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. So we have these false teachers who <coughs> were not only saying, okay, here's, here's the gospel, which really wasn't the gospel, but then in trying to build themselves up and talk about how great they were, they had their own kind of standard of success. And so within that, they would come in and say, you know, well, I'm the best person with this. What would be an example? Well, like if they decided, and there were some Gnostics that did this, 
if they decide, okay, now the, the real thing that you want to have in terms of, of being a, a spiritual, a really great spiritual teacher is you need to have secret knowledge. You need to understand things that nobody else understands. And so if you have that secret knowledge, then you're the one that's high above everybody else. And there were some false gospel teachers back then who would come forward and they say, now, God has revealed to me something that God hasn't revealed to anybody else. I have secret knowledge. And they would then say, well, you know, obviously I'm better than Paul or better than these other people because God has given me this secret knowledge. And we need to be really careful that we don't create um, these false standards of success where we look around and maybe we aren't quite as bad about puffing ourselves up uh, as the false teachers, but maybe we feel really content with what exactly we're doing. It's kind of like, you know, an amateur uh, archer shooting an arrow at a, at a wall and then going up and drawing a target around where the arrow hit. You know, you didn't really hit the target, you just made up a new standard and then decided that was the target. What would some examples of that be today? Um, let's talk about a few. Uh, the golden standard in churches today of success like for a church, is Sunday morning attendance. How many people do you have on Sunday morning? When a preacher sees another preacher, well, how many are you running? What's that mean? How many do you have on Sunday morning? And so we've created in churches, okay, now this church has 200 on Sunday morning, and this church only has 50 on Sunday morning, so this church is more successful than that church. Because the goal is obviously you want to have uh, as many people in the pews on Sunday morning as possible. Well, I'm all in favor of more people in the pews, and I think it's a good thing to get more people, but the standard of success, biblically, is not how many people you get in the pews, because you can have a thousand people in the pews, but if you're not helping them to grow to become mature in Christ, if you're not discipling them so that they actually are walking with Jesus, if you just have a thousand people that are coming in, being entertained by a great show, and then leaving unchanged, is that success? No. The biblical standard is not how many people do you get there on a Sunday morning, it's how many people do you have walking as disciples with Jesus Christ. And so we need to be really careful there because like what we're talking about here with Paul, we can get a standard that doesn't exactly measure up to what the biblical standard is. Another example would be, and I won't ask you for names, but in a lot of churches, um, the, the gold standard of being a, a core church member or being considered to be like a pillar of the church is, how much Bible do you know? Now again, I'm all in favor of knowing the Bible, but let me say this, and again, I won't ask for names. Um, I've known a number of people down through the years who knew tons of minutia in the Bible. They could answer Bible trivia all day long and were also mean as snakes. Um, and if I went around, we could probably name a number of people that you guys know as well who they knew a lot of Bible, but it didn't translate over into Christ-likeness. And the goal that we have in terms of, of what we're supposed to be living within our own lives is not how many trivia questions can I answer from the Bible, but rather it's supposed to be, am I like Jesus? Am I living my life in a way where I have the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus in my life? Am I Christ-like? And so we need to be careful when we, uh, to go back to what Paul's writing here, we need to be careful that the standards that we are using are biblical standards. We may walk into church every Sunday and say, man, you know, man, we've got a great church. We're meeting budget, and the attendance is up 10%. And, and if none of those are biblical standards, then it's a false comfort. We need to make sure that we are succeeding in the measures 
that Jesus says are important. We want to be successful, but we have to be successful the way that Jesus said to be successful. Second thing is this. The second thing we've got to watch out for is, is uh, and that Paul warns us about, uh, is this. Do someone else's job. Do someone else's job. So as you look at 13 and 14, Paul <laughs> brings out something else there. He says, we, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting as, we, as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. That phrase at the end of 13 is really important. And it's not just true for Paul, although Paul is this great uh, missionary that, that goes out and, and plants churches all over the place, but it's also true for us as well. He says at the end of 13, we will confine our boasting, this is key, to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us. What does that mean? So the Bible teaches us that everybody has spiritual gifts. And that at the moment of salvation, he gives everybody at least one spiritual gift. And that we are not just to be observers as we go along, but that we are to be servants. That we are to use the gifts that he has given us in service for the kingdom of God. To see people come to know Christ and to see the kingdom go on. And so in Paul's case, his uh, role, his spiritual gifts had to do with being a preacher and being a church planter. He went out place after place after place, started new churches, got them going, and then moved on and did that again. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. And so the sphere of service God had assigned to him was go to another town, introduce the gospel, get the church going, go to another place. For each of us, we have a sphere assigned to us. Each of us has spiritual gifts that we are to use um, in order to further the gospel. To give a really obvious, for instance, we sang two songs so far this morning, and I stood right there and sang, and I'm going to guess out of those two songs that I probably hit maybe two or three notes correctly. But the good news is, my sphere of service, and I know you're really thankful for this, my sphere of service is not a song leader. Amen? And so, I, you know, the fact that I'm worshiping with a joyful note, I'm not singing very well, but that's okay. That's not my sphere of influence. Now, on the other hand, God has assigned me to be a, a preacher. And so if I stand up here and I'm not prepared, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know, let's look at this passage, and I'm making up stuff instead of hopefully digging into the Word, trying to discern it, pull out the, the, the truth there, and share it to you in a way that I hope uh, helps you to understand it, that is my sphere of influence. I need to do that really well. And what happens in a lot of churches, and, and it's alluded to here, and, and it's the point that I, I just gave you a second ago, is that sometimes we do things in the church because, well, nobody else would do it. Or we do things because, well, the preacher made me feel guilty that it needed done, and, and so I, I did it. Um, biblically speaking, everything that God wants to go on in this church at this moment, God has put people in this church who have the spiritual gifts to make those things happen. And so you do not want me to be the song leader. Why? Because we have people that are much better at that. And 
sometimes we do things out of a sense of guilt. We don't really feel gifted to do it, but we do it out of a sense of guilt um, or a sense of obligation. And when we do somebody else's job, that generally leads to, hopefully better than me leading the singing, but that generally leads to the job not being done as well as possible. Paul reminds us here in that verse that each of us has a sphere of service that God has assigned to us. And within our own lives, um, maybe if you're hearing this for the first time this morning, you didn't understand that, you, you, each of us has a responsibility to figure out, okay, what do we think God has gifted us in? And then to go out and actually serve in that capacity, to do what God has called us to do within that, so that we can use the, the gifts that he has given us in the sphere of influence that he has put in front of us. Every single one of us, not just the preacher, not just the deacons, not just the singers, every single one of us has something that God wants to do in our lives. We each have a sphere of influence, an area of service that he wants us to use our spiritual gifts to accomplish something for the kingdom. And we need to make sure that we are doing what he has called us to do in that sphere of influence. Third thing is this. The third problem is this. Take pride in what your church did while you sat. Take pride in what your church did while you sat. In verse 15, the first half of that verse, he says, Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. So what happens in the church in America a lot today is there'll be a church in town that kind of becomes the church of what's happening now. Maybe they got really good music or a good preacher or whatever. And so people will shift from their church that's not as exciting as it should be over to the church of what's happening now. And whenever they're at the church of what's happening now, uh, when somebody asks them, where do you go to church? Or I go to the church of what's happening now and think great things are happening there. And they take credit for, well, you know, I'm part of that church, even though all they're doing is showing up and sitting. And as we just noted, we're supposed to do more than just sitting. And as he says in that verse, in verse 15, that he didn't boast in work that was done by others. We don't get credit for work that is done by our church, spiritually speaking, as we stand before the judgment someday. We don't get credit for work that is done by our church while we're just sitting over here to the side doing nothing. We need to be serving. We need to be using our gifts. We need to be doing what God has called us to do and stepping out and using those gifts to understand <coughs> that, as I said a moment ago, we each have something that we need to be doing. And so we don't just get to sit back and do nothing. Paul here says, I'm not going to claim any credit for work that is done by other people. The only thing he gets credit for is the work that he did himself. And this is another reason, in addition to the fact that God has given us gifts to use, it's another reason why we each need to be serving in a way where we are using what God has given us in order to further the kingdom of God, in order to bring about what God wants to accomplish within this church. God has given each of us a gift, and God wants to do great things through this church. When we see fire from heaven happen, you don't get credit for that, spiritually speaking, if you were just off to the side, never praying for it, never working for it, never anticipating it, never having faith that it was going to happen. You don't get credit for being part of the church when you weren't doing anything there. You need to be doing in order to be a part of the rewards that are going to happen. Number four is this. Personally fail to grow spiritually. Personally fail to grow spiritually. Look at the second half of 15. He says there, Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, 
our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. What does that mean? Our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. Well, there's, there's kind of two possibilities. Number one is that he is praying that they will grow spiritually so that as they grow, um, of course, he influenced them, and then as they go out and, and they grow, that they will have a greater influence, that they will have a greater impact. And so his sphere of influence will kind of, as the grandparent there, will kind of grow, spiritually speaking, because uh, those that he influenced turned around and influenced others further for the gospel. The, the other possibility is, has to do with Paul's mission, and I think this is actually the more likely one, although it could be a combination of both. In, in the verse that follows, he says in 16, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. I said a moment ago that Paul was somebody whose mission had to do with going from one place to the other and planting churches and continuing to do that. And if you, if you um, know much about Paul, you know, one of his ambitions was uh, there were two big things that he did. He had ambition to continue to, to plant churches, and he had a, a great ambition to go and plant churches where no one else had planted churches before. And so he was heading toward Rome and hoped to get over uh, to Spain, which uh, he did not make it that far. But his goal was to get to where people had not heard the gospel and to be able to preach it there. So what does that have to do with their uh, sphere of influence and their faith growing? Well, he, you guys know Corinth was a messed up place. And both the letters, he spends a decent amount of time chiding them on what they were doing wrong and what they needed to correct. And so Paul wants to get to Rome. He wants to get to Spain, what is today Spain, in order to, to continue to preach the gospel. And yet, if he has to spend his time with the Corinthians, cleaning up the mess that they've made, um, doing remedial work to get them to where they need to be because they're acting immature, he can't go on and do the other work he wants to do because there is work that has to be done with the Corinthians because they're not being spiritually mature. Does that ever happen today? Are there any pastors who, instead of being able to spend more time discipling, have to spend, instead of doing that, have to spend an inordinate amount of time babysitting 40 people who have been Christians for 40 years but are really immature in their faith and so are, are still making baby mistakes even though they should be mature by this point? Yeah, it happens all the time. Are there churches where they're not seeing the impact that they need to have because they have people who continue to refuse to serve because they just want to sit and soak and receive and not turn around and give and serve the way that they should? Yeah, it happens all the time. And so as we look at what Paul has to say here, we see the same thing today where, um, as he talks about in that verse, he wants his sphere of activity among them to greatly expand right before that as your faith continues to grow. <laughs> we need to understand that failing to grow spiritually, failing to become mature, does not just impact us, but it impacts the leaders around us. Paul is having to babysit the Corinthians again because they won't grow up, and therefore he can't get to these other goals that he wants to get to. And we need to be growing spiritually so that the pastor doesn't have to spend time babysitting us instead of going and discipling new believers. 
we need to make sure that we are growing so that we are an asset to the church and that we are somebody that's a part of the mission, going back to point number one, as opposed to somebody where he has to spend all of his time making sure that we don't make very basic mistakes again. And then the fifth thing, going down to verses or verse 16. The, the last way that we stand in the way of kingdom growth is don't push forward into new territory. Don't push forward into new territory. Look at 16. He, we read this a moment ago, but let's unpack it separately now. He just talked about the influence in 15 among the sphere of activity among them. And then 16 he says, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory. So I just talked about this a moment ago. Paul's ambition was to go beyond where others have preached the gospel. He was pushing into new territory to be able to share the gospel. Now for many of us, for most of us, we're not called to be missionaries who are going somewhere and there are still regions around the world where the gospel has not been preached and we need to continue to send missionaries until the entire world hears. But in our lives, there is the reality that we do need to be pushing into new territory. As God matures us, as He gives us the opportunity to grow in Him and to become, hopefully, more mature in Christ, He wants us to not stay where we are, but to push forward into new territory, to take bigger chances for Him, to take on bigger uh, obligations for Him, to be able to bigger, be a bigger influence for Him, so that uh, we can have a greater impact. Because if we're more mature, we have the opportunity and ability to do that. And so the question, one of the things we need to ask ourselves is, in terms of whether we're standing in the way, is how long, we talked a minute ago about going downhill with the Corinthians, but maybe our problem isn't going downhill. Maybe we're just plateaued. Like, okay, I'm doing what I've been doing for a long time, but it's been forever since I've stepped out and done something that scared me for the Lord, that was, that was more challenging than I thought I could handle. Maybe we're just plateaued and we haven't gone deeper in the Scripture beyond just, well, I'm reading a chapter every day, instead of digging in deeper and bringing out some commentaries and trying to find more. Maybe we haven't, um, we, we pray for our family and we pray for a few other people, but the, the people around us who are just disaster areas, we haven't taken up praying for them because we don't want to take that burden on because they're such a disaster area. Maybe we've just been plateaued for a long time. And God is calling us to go into new territory, to do something that is challenging, to do something that's uncomfortable so that we can grow. We all know that if you're going to work out, if you are working out and you aren't a little bit sore after, chances are you're not really doing that much in terms of gaining uh, strength for your body because your muscles need to be a little sore if you're pushing yourself to that next level. There's a spiritual truth there as well. If I'm doing the things that I've always done and I'm perfectly comfortable doing them, I'm probably not pushing into new territory. And therefore, I'm not seeing God do bigger things and greater things in my life. As we look at what Paul has to say here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he brings out these different ways that they were standing in the way of kingdom growth. We want to see the kingdom of God expand in this place. We want to see people come to know Christ. We want to see worship that, gen that genuinely honors God. We want to see people discipled and, and walking with Jesus. Am I part of making that happen? Or am I standing in the way?
Heavenly Father, I, I ask this morning that we would be a part of what you want to do. That we would accept the challenge to serve. That we would accept the, the difficulty of going beyond what's comfortable. That we might be a part of seeing the kingdom of God grow in this place. Father, I, I pray this morning that you would help us to want as much of you as we can get and to be as useful to your kingdom as we can be. I pray in Jesus' name. And amen.